Jason. I am. You see, Jason was my son. And today is his birthday. Where's Mr. Christie? Oh, I couldn't let them open this place again. Could I? Not after what happened. Sweet, innocent Jason. What's up, horror fans? You're listening to the Trash Mouth Presents Podcast. I'm your host, Trash Mouth. And this past weekend, me and my wife went out to Williamsburg, Virginia for the Scares of Cares Horror Convention. There was a lot of awesome guests, including Sid Haig, the king of the drive-in himself, Joe Bob Briggs, a lot of the cast of John Carpenter's The Thing, as well as Victor Crowley and Jason Voorhees himself, Kane Hodder, and the legendary composer Harry Manfredini. just want to give a huge shout out to the Scares That Cares staff. They did an awesome job. Everything was well organized. They were super friendly and super helpful. And uh, I just want to thank them. This is the second year I've been, and both times it's been excellent. So I'll definitely be back next year, and I just want to thank them for putting on an awesome show, especially so close to home for me. So um, I mostly went to meet up with uh, Kane Hodder and Harry Manfredini, as I'm a huge fan of uh, Friday the 13th. And then also last year I got to meet Sid Haig. I'm a huge House of a Thousand Corpses, uh, Devil's Rejects fan. Um, Just a huge Sid fan overall. But since I got to meet him last year and we're going to GalaxyCon, um, I mostly went with intentions to meet Kane and uh, Harry, but, you know, of course, it was awesome getting to say hi to a few other celebrities and stuff. But So when I went on Saturday, and I ended up setting up an interview for Sunday with both Kane and Harry. But uh, unfortunately, I was supposed to be there at 4 to meet up with both of them, or a little bit before 4, and I showed up about 10 minutes till. And uh, Harry was there, but uh, it was pretty cleared out by that point. The, the whole convention was pretty empty, but Kane had already gone for the night, so... Unfortunately, I didn't get to interview Kane, but I did get to interview Harry Manfredini. He is responsible for a lot of scores, a lot of beloved series. Uh, he did the entire Friday the 13th series. He did Wishmaster. He did House. He did uh, My Boyfriend's Back. Um, I don't know if you've seen that comedy movie. It's definitely one to check out. But he's done a lot of excellent films. Uh, he did Deep Star Six. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some, but... It, we probably talk about him in the interview. So I just want to say thank him so much. It probably worked out for the best that he was my only interview because we got to talk for a good, you know, 45 minutes. I'm very thankful and grateful. He is an awesome guy and an awesome gentleman. I really hope we cross paths again one day. And um, I just don't want to talk too much more. I want to let you hear the interview. So just don't forget that there is going to be a little bit of background noise because we were at a convention. So you're going to hear some of that stuff. Uh, somebody decided to talk on our walkie-talkie for a few minutes in front of us, and then somebody decided to play with a bubble wrap somewhere in the lobby uh, towards the end. So you'll hear those things, but just remember, it's typical background noise. Um, it is what it is, but the interview still came out great, and I'm still super thankful. Um, you also hear us say hi to Sid Haig once. Uh, that was pretty cool, but so here it is. So when you first got the job for the Friday the 13th franchise, how much information exactly did you have? Because it turned out to be a slasher film with a name like Friday the 13th, it really could have been anything. It could have been like a Final Destination style film. So did you know that you were getting into a slasher film and did you know that it was going to be uh, a year after year thing like that? Absolutely not. Uh, how I got into this film was uh, I had done two films earlier for Sean Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Both were children's films. Okay. One was about baseball and one was about soccer. And neither one of them did very well. Okay. And we were sitting in the kitchen in his home in Connecticut, 
and he said to me, I'm going to make this movie called Friday the 13th, and it's going to be the scariest movie ever made, and you're going to do the music. And at that point, I just went, okay, fine, I'll do the music, you know. Uh, never had done a movie like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so off I went. I mean, and I can guarantee you, none of us ever thought at that point that A would become, forget about a sequel. So yeah. we, we were just trying to put food on the table. Yeah. And so that's what it was. I mean, it, it, no one, no one ever dreamed at that point that it was going to become what it became. Okay. So uh, with that being said, it ended up being a pretty quick turnaround. You know, y'all had another sequel coming out the following year and stuff like that. But I think out of all of the scores, they all seem to be a little bit similar, but they have their own unique, you know, styles right. and stuff in and out. I think my favorite happens to be Friday the 13th, uh, part three, which is completely in due to the title card where it gets a little bit, you know, funkier than some of the other ones. So. Disco. Yes. So uh, I just wanted to know, do you have a favorite out of the franchise or do you kind of just like them all for their own reason? Uh, the answer, straight up, quick answer is I like them all for their own reasons. Uh, the, the cool thing that happened with the franchise was that they spaced them out enough in that I'm, I'm kind of like a gear nut, like between the films I maybe would have gotten a new synth or a new keyboard or a new something with samples or I, I, I'm always getting new stuff mm -hmm. so whenever I got something new I would always go like oh wow man I could use this yeah. in the next Friday so like even though there was just like you mentioned in the question uh, there's this basic core of stuff that is the sound of Friday yeah there was always this other extra level of new stuff mm -hmm. which for me kept it new and, and sort of like there'd be a different character or something yeah that I would that would be able to use my new stuff so I always kept it new for me yeah and then of course when three came along in 3d it, it was really funny because it just came out of the blue oh we're doing it in three and 3d mm -hmm. what 3d and so so well, we got I said we, we got to do something crazy so we did uh, Jason Jason goes to the disco I forget what it's called uh, I, I just did a right now they're doing a, a live concert with a huge orchestra in Spain okay awesome. and one movement is that opening uh, of part three mm. which uh, is I called uh, Jason and disco never die there you go. <laughs> and uh, anyway yeah so we did that and then uh, each one of them like I said had a different thing. I love Jason X, you know. Yeah, that's one of my favorites that, as well. That was sort of cool. And then Nine had Jason jumping around to different people. That was sort of cool. Mm -hmm. uh, Six was my, one of my favorites because I, I thought Tom McLaughlin did a great job. Yeah. And uh, the uh, five was, if I if I thought of all of them, the five was the hardest to score. Mm -hmm. And the reason was that, first of all, it wasn't Jason. It was the ambulance driver. Yeah, Roy. <laughs> yeah, Roy, the ambulance driver. And what was really weird about that was that, for me, I mean, I try to make you know make the drama or whatever the story, the tension and all that. And I already knew mm. that it wasn't Jason. Yeah. So like, I just kind of like went out of my way to just drive it even harder than I would normally. I mean, I was it, 
there's a lot of that score to me was like way over the top. Yeah, just to make them think even harder yeah, than it yeah, might yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and so that was really the tough one. So anyway, that's the story of all those. So one of my favorite parts of the entire series, uh, at least you know, as far as the score goes, is when uh, the hitchhiker in part four is calling for a ride and they drive off and they're a little bit mean to her and stuff. But then she sits down to eat a banana and uh, I think. Like, this is the first time in a movie where your score makes eating a banana a little bit more sinister, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Is there any uh, movies that you've seen throughout the years that you kind of got that same feeling for where uh, the score really stood out to you? Because to me, Friday the 13th is one of the best ones to do it, but I'm sure that there's been ones throughout the years that... Yeah, uh, y you can do that with the score, which is really actually kind of fun when you get when, when you get that opportunity. A lot of hmm. times, a lot of times you just, it just doesn't come up where you can do that. Yeah. But... Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a thing called writing against picture. Mm -hmm. uh, I did a picture a long time ago, and it was about two guys, Vietnam vets, and they were, they were, they were really messed up. And, yeah. And in one scene, uh, they were, they had actually already killed a person, a girl, and uh, they were at a. Uh, it was all done in slow motion and with no sound. It was sort of almost like dreamlike. Mm -hmm. But they were at a track meet, just sitting in the stands, watching this girl track team. You know, and they're laughing and just having the best time. Yeah. And, it, and actually, it was before they killed anybody. But uh, you see them laughing and having a good time watching this, which on the visual level it looks like it's funny yeah but i played the the sadness or the the sort of like just this these guys are messed up and, yeah like something's so not I, right i played it something is not right yeah. so i played against what you were watching okay I which see was basically you know telling the audience you know this is not going to be going well yeah and uh and then the same thing and there was another uh a film. I ended, up, I ended up not doing the score of this, but it was a it was a, it was a great scene. That I had the best time doing it. Um, this was like a mob movie. Okay. And, and in the mob movie, uh, there were two guys, two hitmen. They were going out to to do a job, and they're driving in the car and they're chatting and just mm -hmm. talking back and forth. Well, in the middle of the conversation, one one of the guys reveals that he's gay yeah okay he's a gay mobster you know yeah and a gay killer you know. anyway so what happened and the other the guy's driving and it's like kind of perplexed like <laughs> you know it's just weird it's just something that you don't think of yeah anyway and meanwhile this other guy now that he's sort of let himself out of the closet he just keeps getting gayer and gayer as they're driving it just it just goes completely out of out of control and so i i remember i started it out when he started talking about this very subtly i brought in like these castanets and started this tango okay. <laughs> like a tango and it was like you know you would say something what the hell is that? You know, and as he, as he kept, you know, becoming more and more out of the closet, mm -hmm. this 
the whole score just turned into this riotous yeah. tango. They like are swindled with him. Right. Much Meanwhile, while well, there's two mob guys driving in a car on their way to kill somebody. Yeah. So, so it was like that. But and, and every once in a while, you get the opportunity to to Add do something that's yeah, or, yeah, whatever, but yeah. to write against what you see. Yeah. So speaking of Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X, uh, those were, I believe, the two films that saw the return of uh, Sean Cunningham, if I'm not mistaken. I think he took a break after three. He returned for Goes to Hell. I might be wrong if he was there for Jason X. but um. You are, but that's okay. Okay. I'll, I just, I'll, uh, I'll straighten that out for you. Well, I watched the uh, Kane Hodder, Hell and Back, and he, he said it was like a good idea, so I just... That's where my assumption came from. So he, uh, well, he returned for Jason Goes to Hell, but y'all were also together on the House series. Was he part of Deep Star Six? Yes, yes. He, was, he was the director of yes. Deep Star Six. Okay, so I knew he was uh, pretty much a big part of, like, almost like a little family y'all had going. You know, Kane Hodder worked a lot of stunts on those films. Well, all I, the, I think he did nine pictures. Yeah, he did all the House films with uh, y'all as well. So it was, you know, you guys, uh, you, Sean Cunningham, Kane Hodder, and... um. Even Steve did quite a few of the films with you guys. I think he did two and three with you and Sean Cunningham, and then Steve. Yes, or Steve. Steve Miner. Still, oh, Steve Miner. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How was that? Like, where did it kind of come together, and how did that kind of form a little bit, if you don't mind? Well, it started early. Um, in part one, Sean was the director, and Steve was actually the editor, mm. uh, film editor, and and I did the music. So, in part two, Steve became the director. Yeah. Sean was just the producer, and I, and of course I did the music there. Then when we got to part three, uh, Paramount was getting more involved. Steve became the director, and he did a great job. Especially the thing I liked about part three uh, is that it it was shot with the idea of the fact that it's in 3D. Yeah. It wasn't just like there was a while there in the late 80s early 90s where they were just turning pictures yeah into 3d that didn't have anything that really fit yeah so, yeah, yeah they weren't i mean it wasn't shot like if you looked at that 3d uh if you look at uh that film in 3d there's all this really deep focus and, mm -hmm. and things that were they weren't even just uh that weren't you know gory or anything remember at the beginning there's the uh, sheets yeah, blowing in the wind and you're like coming out of the screen and stuff and i think it even goes to like uh when they're still in town and stuff somebody goes to hand somebody something and it like goes in their face and right, stuff like yeah, that. yeah yeah i mean so there was a whole bunch of you know deep deep focus things yeah because that, so, that really made the 3d work i mean i i saw some of the other ones and they're like these are kind of bogus yeah know? when it seems forced it's not as fun but when it adds to the movie right. it's, it's so then after part three then steve uh directed uh, house at uh, part one and Sean again Sean again was mostly the producer mm -hmm. and then part two the uh, Ethan Wiley who was the writer of part one became the director of part two and uh, again Sean was a producer Steve uh, had moved on I believe yeah and then Sean directed Deep Star Six okay and uh, Louis Abernathy uh, was uh, the writer of Deep Star Six. Okay. And then when we got to House Four, Louis Abernathy directed House Four. And Louis Abernathy went on to work with James Cameron, and actually Louis was in. Yeah. He was the burly guy with the red hair. Okay. Yeah, that, that's, yeah. And, and just a great writer, a 
just a great guy. Really, really cool guy. Yeah. Anyway, so like, yeah, it's true. We've sort of become like a family and work together mm -hmm. uh, on a number of pictures, all of us. You know, it, there was a saying back in New York when we, we all started on the East Coast, and uh, I always said, I always said that if you do three independent films on the East Coast, eventually you will work with somebody you've worked with before because it's such a small little yeah. group, a sound guy or a camera. Everybody seems to be over on the West Coast. Everybody, and everybody wants to, you know, we're yeah. a team. You know, you, the editor stays the same, the, uh, cam, you know, the, yeah. uh, the cameraman, the DP, the, uh, it, it, they all, you tend to feel really comfortable working with those people. That's awesome. So that's how I end up. I, I'm, I worked with Sean. I still see Sean. I worked with him still. Yeah. The most recent thing that featured your music would be, of course, the video game. Did you, uh, how much did you have to do with that? And if any, how was it returning to the score after all these years? Well, the video game was very, uh, a different experience for me. That was the first video game I ever did. And not ever having played a video game <laughs> or understanding how they work. It took me a while to figure out. Once they showed me the game, and I go, oh, oh, oh I get it. You know. But the weird thing about doing the video game was that scoring films, you know, you, you sit there and you look at the film and you go, okay, I, I hear some music. I know what that sounds like. Mm. And you sit down and you, and, you write, and you write the music to fit a picture. Yeah. It's, there's this and here's the music. And, you put it up there and boom, it fits right in. Mm -hmm. In the video game, you're writing music to something that you never even see. Yeah, so you're just to... kind of writing music. Okay. Know? So, uh, and then the fact that the video game is this interactive multiplayer game, so that everything, there had to be numerous versions of cues. Like, for example, there's seven people playing the game. Yeah. So one guy may decide to go visit a cabin or look for something in a cabin. Mm. Meanwhile, the other guy is going to keep going down the road and go yeah. to something else. And somebody else is finding something else. So, in a way, the way the music works, it, it became very modular. I was writing little modules of music. Yeah. That So, like, when you're playing the game, you would have your score. Mm. But if I was playing in the same game with you, yeah. I would have a completely different score. Yeah. And then the Jason features he has is and, a whole different And the thing Jason too. features changed with like when Tom added the uh, Tom Savini Jason. Mm -hmm. And then what was the Jason Part 6, there was Jason Part, yeah. you know, the Jason Part 2. So, and, and what, so what we did was uh, uh, the guys over at Gun, uh, Wes, and, and they would grab some of the old scores and they would say give us 10 uh, four minute cues uh, that sound something like this that sound like part two yeah so then I would listen I would listen to that one cue and uh, then write like 10 versions of that you know different different Mm. Same stuff, but just a different way, you know. And yeah. So that they had multiple choices of things to use. Oh, okay. So it was it was really weird, but for the first time, you know, that that uh, I, I would be writing and not looking at something. Although all the kills in the game, they sent me the kill. They 
Okay, so you they can write two. Show me the kills, and those are way more fun because <laughs> there it is. I see it. I know yeah, exactly how it You can cue it, it a little better. And stuff. Bang, and I cue. I yeah. cue right on it. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I guess because with those being animated, it makes it a little easier for them to send those ahead of time. Right. Well, they were, you know, they were motion capture yeah. with Kate. So it's not something where they. You know, it only happens. It's not a hundred different ways it happens that time. Every well, week. every time you play the game, it's a different game. Yeah. Every every choice you make. Yeah. Triggers something else. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, um, you also did a one of my favorite films growing up called uh, My Boyfriend's Back. That movie is more of like not really a horror comedy, but it does it definitely has horror aspects. Yeah, yeah. About a zombie and stuff. Just talk a little bit about the difference in doing something like that and doing something. Um, you know, like Friday Thirteenth House had a little bit of comedy in it, but I don't think I would call it as much of a comedy as you know, My Boyfriend's Back or something like that. Well, something well, my scary. My Boyfriend's like... Back was fun. You know, yeah, it, it was. It was. If you remember, there was actually uh, some of the. Uh, it was like a comic book sort of thing. There were like you know scenes that that would be a comic book, yeah. and then all once they dissolve into the reality. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it was. It was meant to be funny. Uh, I think the original uh, title of that was Johnny Zombie. Okay. And uh, Disney decided, no, we can't, we can't call it Johnny Zombie. Anyway, and that was a, again, that's a. See, I, I mean, I do. Obviously, uh, my name is associated with Friday the 13th and yeah. films. But I mean, I do a lot of. I've done a whole bunch of uh, Lifetime films mm -hmm. and and uh, uh, Hallmark films that are basically, you know, the the mom in trouble, the disease. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've done, uh, I did the uh, story of the uh, Amber Alert. Okay. I did sure the not. story of, uh, what's her name, the girl, she she killed herself, very tragic. She was the model, she was married to the old, God, I can tell you, I can't remember anything anymore. Uh, anyway, I did that biography, I did a yeah. whole bunch of those. And so, I mean, I've done comedies, I did Spring Break. Yeah. And I've done, you know, I've done few things like that so it's a completely different thing uh, uh, I, I enjoyed uh, my boyfriend's back a lot because I, I I had seen that script before mm -hmm. they shot it and I thought wow this is really clever and what a great cast I mean the cast of that yeah they, they were phenomenal I mean you had just solid people in every uh, in every uh, in every role even in the ancillary Cloris Leachman and mm -hmm. uh, um, you know the, uh, the the crazy doctor. I was say, I mean, there was so many funny, there was so many funny things in that film. Yeah. Um, Paul Dooley, you know, the Paul Dooley, the and and the, what's his name? The, uh, Matthew Fox. Wasn't he in that? No, ma no. Uh, the guy, uh, very incredible actor. He, uh, unfortunately, uh, he's passed. But that was one of his first movies. He played Chuck. Little Chuck, he was like the tough guy in the school. I can't think oh, okay, I know who you're talking about. I yeah, just, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, I know who you're talking about. I just don't. Anyway, like, it's one of those faces you see all the time. Turns out to be like a fantastic actor. Yeah. And actually, the next time you watch that, if there's a scene, okay, I'll, I'll tell you, and you'll, you'll, I, 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 I had to watch it the other day. Uh, for some reason, there was something that was, somebody wanted me to talk about it, mm -hmm. and. Uh, so I watched it, and I was watching, just watching the credits go by, and all at once I went, what? And then I stopped, and I said, okay, I gotta go back. So there's a scene where uh, Johnny, mm. Johnny Dingle, takes the girl to the movies. They go to the movies together. Yeah. 
you know, before she bites his ear off, you know. Anyway, so they go to the movies together, and they're sitting there in the movie, you know, and in the back, in the back, about three rows back, there are two guys, and one guy looks at the other guy and says, "Ain't that, ain't that the dead kid with the, with Chuck's girl or whatever, whatever his name is?" Yeah. It's Matthew McConaughey. Oh yeah, that was his first movie ever, wasn't it? Yeah, it's Matthew McConaughey. I went, yeah. Good Lord, I mean, that was, like, that was just like, ain't that uh, Chuck's girl or something? <laughs> I forget what, something like that. That's crazy. Anyway, but I went back and I went, holy smoke, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, no, I mean, I, when you, when you're a film composer, you you're really there's a big part of you that's a dramatist, mm -hmm. and the, and whether you're whether you're writing music that's trying to scare the pants off somebody or yeah. make them jump, it's the same thing. Only just here you're trying to make them laugh, yeah. So you or make them cry or make them whatever. Mm -hmm. But you you're manipulating them, and you 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 have to find the best way musically mm -hmm. to do that. Yeah. You know, so you know, like if it's a scare, I mean, do you want to lead up to the scare and then get the music out? Or do you want to hit the scare? Or do you want to wait for the scare and then hit it later? Yeah. There's there's different ways of doing it, and each one of them has a way of working the best. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll I'll tell you another thing. If if you the next time you watch Friday the Thirteenth, the first one, mm -hmm. not not so much the other ones. Yeah. But the first one, pay attention to when the music stops, because one of the things that I tried to do in it. I think it worked. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, there's nothing. It spawned a whole bunch of films. But um, whenever something was going to happen, mm -hmm. I would take the music out. Speaking of my latest movie, how's it going? I just did this movie called Hanukkah. I was actually that was going to be one of my questions. Right, uh, and Sid Sid's fantastic in it. Yeah, I saw the trailer. He looks very. Uh, oh, freaky. it's it's yeah. a great great film. Uh, Really, really good horror film, and uh, I think people are really going to like mm -hmm. it. It's not at all, again, it's not as all, at all as what you might think it is, but yeah. it's, it's really good. Anyway, we were talking, oh, we were talking about uh, setting up a hit and, yeah. and things like that. Uh, so that when you're a film composer, you're a dramatist, mm -hmm. and your job is to tell the story musically. And sometimes that's just one note. Yeah. It isn't like you have to be a great composer, mm. but the point is you have to understand the drama and try to deliver the story that the director is trying to tell, that the, that the writer is trying to tell. Yeah. So uh, anyway, like in, like we were talking about Friday the 13th, where that if you watch where I take the music out, it's because I'm trying to get you to relax. Yeah. Because you know if. If you think of like you're as scared as possible, that's like ten. Like you're flying out of your seat, okay? And if if things are building up, it's getting the tension is building up, let's say you're at a seven. Mm -hmm. Well, the only thing I can get out of you is a three from seven to ten. Yeah. So what I try to do is Take music out and get you to relax. Take it down to like a four. Take it, take three it or down four. to a three. Yeah. And then bam, hit you and, and knock yeah. you up to the seven. It makes it it makes it work better. And I will give you a scene, for example, in Friday the Thirteenth, where uh, uh, Adrian, 
is being chased, you know, by Betsy or, or the killer or something. She yeah. doesn't know. I don't think she knows who the killer is yet. But uh, she's in, and what's weird about it is the actors, the actors actually show you where, where to do this. Yeah. Adrian is in the kitchen and she's, I think she's got a bit, I think she has a baseball bat and a, uh, a fork, you know, for carving turkey. Or I think mm. those are her two weapons that she has. And she's standing there and she's scared, you know, scared shitless. Mm. And all at once, like she sighs, she goes like that and just kind of relaxes. Yeah. Because I think she feels safe for a moment. Yeah. And if you watch right there, the music goes out with that sigh. And it just sits there for a while, nothing happens. Yeah. And then, kabam, everything happens. So, I mean, all you had to do was watch the movie, and you go like, well, there's the acting. It's telling you exactly when to relax. Yeah, speaking of that, that's actually uh, one of the parts. My wife is not a huge horror fan, but she supports my fan of horror, of course. Uh, uh, and one thing is she'll sit and watch a few of the Friday the 13th with me, or at least what she can stand. And that exit of music followed by... Uh, Jason's favorite thing of throwing somebody through a window gets her every single time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the point is I got her to stop thinking about it. Yeah. But so, if you're watching closely, why in the world would you be standing in front of this really big window? You know someone's coming through. Yeah. Especially if you can't see them from the other angle. But that being said, I'm going to ask you a little bit about the house films, of course. I explored the DVD and I saw the trailers from house and it seemed to have the music from Friday the 13th. Uh, over the trailer, was, is, am I mistaken, or, uh, I, or is that something uh, the studio might have done with? Is that something the studio did? I, I have no idea. The, I mean, they, if they have the music. Yeah, if you don't want to. I mean, I, I remember seeing something for Swamp Thing, and I went, what's that? You know, yeah, they, not even have done any score yet or something. It was just some, some canned music thing that they put in. Mm. Sometimes they do the trailer before the film's finished. Yeah, so they so can't the, give you the finish. So I, ha I haven't written the score yet, yeah. so who knows? So I'm not really sure what, what that could have been. Yeah. That can happen, though. Okay. Um, and then my other question about the house film, and I'll be honest, I've only seen the first house film. I haven't seen them all. No, you, you got to watch the second one. You'll like it. No, I definitely uh, will. I think, I believe they're all on Amazon Prime, if I'm not mistaken. So um, uh -huh. I own the first one, but I don't own the rest of them. But uh, I definitely have plans to watch the rest of them. But in the first one... Two is two is defi a definite... Uh, must watch. Yeah, yeah. I know two for sure is on Shudder, so I'll definitely watch uh, yeah, yeah. two. But uh, so with uh, the first one, um, you have a pretty whimsical score. I love the score in the whole film. But uh, when it comes to the scene where he's burying up the hacked up monster. Witch. Yeah. The, Sandy Witch. The Sandy Witch. Uh, it kicks into uh, Linda Rostad's You're No Good, I believe. Yes, right. Was that a, uh, who chose that song? I've just always wondered about that. Does the composer do something like that or? Uh, no, in that case, both of those songs, there's two of them. There's You're No Good, mm -hmm. and this is dedicated to the one I love. Yeah. Both of those are Steve Miner uh, chose. Okay. And what you heard though is a a what they call a sound alike mm. that I re I recorded. Okay. So I, in other words, I took down the original track, just wrote out all the parts, had that played, mm. and then I got some singers to come in to do imitations of Betty Everett. Yeah. Because th those are both Betty Everett songs. Okay. And uh, they're the original uh, before Linda Ronstadt yeah. did it. Uh, and uh, what's funny about it is that, that we had to try to make them sound like they were old, mm -hmm. which is a funny trick that I learned back in New York a long time ago. Like, 
because obviously you have better microphones, better tape, better yeah. recording. But I mean, everything is so much better than it was in the 50s. Yeah, mid-80s compared to right, the yeah, right. yeah, so uh, the, 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 the object was to really screw up the sound or, or just kind of mush it all together. I mean, and it's, there's a way of doing that, and I don't, it's kind of technical. I don't want to go into it. But, yeah. But yeah, those I, those I, I produced those, but... That, those were Steve's idea, and I thought they were really, I thought they were excellent. Oh, yeah, they fit perfectly. Good That's why I was wondering to, if... Uh, good place to make them work. Yeah. I didn't know if they might have been... Um, that's why I ask because uh, I know that you usually don't write the sports after the film, so I didn't know if that might have been something he wrote those scenes, you know, no, with those no, in no, mind no, and we, stuff like no, that. We so. put those in. We yeah. put those in. Okay, awesome. So I just want to ask you pretty much some uh, basic horror questions, if you don't mind. Like, you know, like what's some of your favorite horror films throughout the years? If you've watched any other than, and if you haven't, then that's okay. Then just give me some of your favorite scores from any film, honestly. Okay. Um, this probably, I don't know. Every time I tell somebody that, they don't believe me, but. Actually, I'm not a big horror film fan, mm. and uh, I like the scores because uh, horror films kind of like give you an opportunity to really stretch out and do stuff musically mm. that, that you wouldn't normally do. Like you're not, you don't have to be in a key, or you don't have to write a melody. I mean, sure, sometimes you're in a gothic kind of story. Yeah, you would you'd be in that bag, but uh, or, in fact, there's. I've always wanted to do a metal horror film. That'd be awesome. <laughs> and uh, I have a friend who's working on a heavy metal uh, horror film, uh, and it's it's a, a, again sort of a combination comedy horror film, and it's uh, the only thing I could uh, the only way I could describe it is uh, what was the name of the, the two guys in uh, in the basement? You know that they had the band, the two com comedic guys, Bill and Ted. Not Bill and Ted, the other ones. Uh, you know, um, they used to be on Saturday Night Live. Remember? Oh Saturday yeah, Wayne's World. Wayne's Wayne, World. It's yeah. kind of like Wayne's World meets heavy metal. Okay. Like awesome. hair metal, hair metal Wayne's World. Yeah. Okay. So you smash those two things together, <laughs> and that's so it's funny and yet it's gory and scary yeah. at the same time. So he's working on that film, and I'm going like, oh man, it's going to be so cool, because yeah. I, I always wanted to, I thought that was sort of an avenue I wanted to try. Okay. Uh, so there's that. Uh, and, and now I forget the other question. Uh, other, oh, see, I, like I say, I don't really, I'm not a big horror film fan. Yeah. Uh, especially lately. To me, uh, I think they've taken a, a, bad, a bad turn into just... Uh, just gore and stuff, and, mm -hmm. and the, the plot and the characters have gotten really, yeah, uh, really thin. You know, I, I would rather, I would rather get more involved with the characters and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, every once in a while I watch one, but it also it also affects me because I don't want to start hearing. As you can imagine, I listen to the music yeah. probably more than I watch the movie, uh, but. Uh, Scores that I love. Wow. Okay. Well, let's just eliminate. We'll go quickly and go like everything that Elmer Bernstein ever did. Okay. Everything that uh, Bernard Herrmann ever did. Most of the John Williams scores. Uh, uh, a lot of the old classic uh, scores of, of uh, Corn Gold and uh, those. I mean, those are those are the old old classics, but. New ones, 
I love the score the Road to Perdition. You know this movie? Yes, with Tom Hanks, I believe. Tom, yeah. Tom Hanks movie. I love that score. It's probably, to me, it was Tommy Newman's best score, mm, even better great than film, Shawshank. Great score. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's a great score. Um, John Williams' AI score, I really like. Most uh, of Jerry Goldsmith's scores. Uh, there, there's a composer by the name of Michael Small. Mm -hmm. You probably don't know. Him. No, I've never but heard of him. Michael Small did Marathon Man, which is a great score. Okay. And, and a few others. John Carigliano did a score to uh, Altered States. Okay, I've heard of it, but I've, I've never great. seen it, but oh, I'll have to check you, it out. You would love that. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I like that score a lot. Uh, so, I mean, those are some. Mm -hmm. that, pop into my yeah <laughs> okay well before i uh i want to ask you a few just like random composer questions of course but before i do that i want to ask you about what we talked about a few minutes ago hanukkah that film seemed to drop a trailer about a year or so ago and it kind of disappeared a little bit do you have any kind of story behind that and then also can you just talk a little bit about pretty much how you got the job on the film you know did uh was it one of those things where it was somebody you know working on the film again or was it just something that interests you well i think just between you and i and whoever's listening <laughs> the odd thing that as we were talking, uh, <laughs> Sid Haig walked by, mm -hmm. and I said, "Oh yeah, Hanukkah." <laughs> and uh, yeah, Sid. Oh, Sid's man. Sid is great in this movie. He's mm -hmm. just wow. It, it's really it's a, it's a cool movie. How do I get? I mean, a lot of movies I get. Just like I said to you before, you you get movies from meeting other people and this mm -hmm. and that. And this is a guy named Evan McGar. Okay. You, do you know him? No. Uh, he's a really, really nice guy. And very well. I, di I didn't realize he was, you know, a great writer and did a, did a nice job directing. Mm -hmm. Really good job directing it. And actually, has has sequels planned. Okay. Uh, and also, man, he's got another script. Which, boy, I sure hope we uh, we, we we get to do it because I, I don't want to give away the plot. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's it's the best werewolf movie I've. I've seen. I was just thinking the other day, it's been a while since we've got yeah, a good yeah, one. Yeah, this so. is the best werewolf script I, I've, ever read, I've ever read. Awesome. And it's just, awesome. I go like, oh man, you got to do this movie. It's going to be great. Uh, uh, but anyway, Evan called me up out of the blue and says, hey, I'm doing this movie Hanukkah. And I'm going like, are you out of your mind? And now, you know, what are you going to do, Easter? And then, you know, <laughs> and then when you think about it, you know, wait, there's been like, uh, Christmas ones, yeah, Krampus, and, and, Krampus yeah. and all that stuff. So I said, well, I said, well, let me let me read let me read the script. You know, when I read the script, and I went, this is very. It's not at all, uh, not at all what you would think it would be. Yeah. Uh, and I think I think even uh, even if you're not even religious, I think you would like this movie. Yeah. But I mean, I think I think it it, it stands up. It stands up for for religion. It stands up for the religious aspect of it. Yeah. While at the same time delivering the uh, the horror and the horror yeah. and the core. I mean, it's it's pretty powerful. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and 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 again, it also yeah. has a little bit of the humor to it too. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. Is that one of the things that I like I like about this movie again is that there's characters. Yeah. You know, and there's there's actual people you get to know, and and sadly they get offed. Yeah. But nonetheless, at least you get you get to like them. And yeah, they don't feel so disposable, pretty much from yeah, the start. Not, like, not, yeah, you're not. Oh, I'm only in this movie to be killed. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll tell you, this is personal, but 
I remember the movie uh, Michael Douglas, uh, the, you know, where, where he, he goes out with the, he has the affair with uh, Glenn Close. Fatal Attraction, I think. Fatal yeah. Attraction. You know, I mean, this was a, people thought of that as like a horror film. Yeah. And I just sat there and I was laughing so hard yeah. because it was horror film made by people. I don't think they really watched many horror films. Yeah. Or the last one they watched might have been in the 50s or something. Yeah. And there were just things that happened in that movie. Like the gun in the drawer. I mean, I don't know how many times we shot mm. to the gun in the drawer. I mean, it, I'm going like, I think we all got it. There's a gun <laughs> in the drawer. We all saw it. We saw it the first time. Then we saw it the third time. And, you know, no, I mean, no. and then... Yeah. Things would happen, and, and I, I was laughing. I'm just going like, yeah. I, uh, who are they? Do, do they? You know, like who are they trying to? Non-horror <laughs> people are like, oh, there's a gun in the drawer. Yeah. You know, meanwhile, I'm going like, yeah, yeah, I saw it. The horror people saw it the first time. Yeah, I saw yeah. it the first time. And then, you know, like when remember she brings the little girl a bunny. Oh, yeah. it's been so long since yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. brings the little girl a bunny, and I looked over and I said. If that bunny makes it through the end of this reel, <laughs> I'll be really surprised. Because you know the bunny's only there to be off. Yeah. You know? In a movie where they're not trying to have a kill count pretty you well, know, high yeah, kill count. We don't want to have the kill count up, but this, yeah. this bunny is not going to make yeah, it. Yeah, he'll know? be the one that definitely does by the Right, yeah. So, anyway, I mean, that's, uh, that, that's just sort of an observation by people who make horror films and people who don't make horror films. Yeah. You know, it, it, that was, I don't know, I, I just sat there and pretty much laughed through the whole picture. Yeah, so as a composer who's done a ton of films, what is the strangest thing you've ever done to get a sound that you want for a film? Oh, I got a lot of those. Okay. Uh, one of the, let's see. First of all, when I, when I find a sound or when I find something that I like, uh, are, you, are you familiar at all with synthesizers and stuff like that? Um, I know like what they are but I don't uh, like I wouldn't be able to talk brand or well what's weird about it it's like you have to understand that there's this thing there's these things called samples Mm -hmm. okay okay I know I know about yeah alright so there's a sample so let's say uh, alright somebody just dragged something I don't know if the mic just picked it up yeah but there's that sound right there okay so you can record that sound and have a digital recording mm. hey just like we're doing right now yeah just plug so, it into the phone and right, yeah. just plug it in the phone whack you got the sa- that sound mm-hmm. you know uh, for example uh, remember the John Travolta film where he was making the sounds of the scream and the, the I forget what that was called blowout I think yeah. it was called anyway so you, you, you record a sound and then you can take that particular sound and assign it to a note on the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, they take middle C. So you've got a sound that's on middle C. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say, let's say, it's, it's that scrape sound, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, you put it on middle C and then you spread it out over the whole keyboard. Well, if you go down to the lowest notes on the keyboard, mm-hmm and listen to what sounded like that, that thing is going to be like, yeah. it's going to have this incredibly strange sound. Mm. And of course, if you go to the top of the keyboard where the highest notes are, mm. it's going to get compressed really short and made really high. It could be an incredibly cool screech. You yeah. don't even know. Yeah. So 
but one of the you know one of the things I do whenever I have a cool sound is I, I start to see what happens when you, the when you alter it you yeah know, like it's not anything what it was to start with so, and you really come up with some rather interesting things that way yeah some of the funnier one of the better ones and it was a movie I did uh, called Dead and Gone mm -hmm. and it was about a guy who was it, there was, he had he, he had killed his wife and he was trying to escape and his wife you know, wasn't wasn't as she was dying but and uh, but she wasn't quite as dead as he thought she was and she kept coming back and it was he, he had gone to this cabin which was haunted mm -hmm. and it was like a strange sound and the, the fellow who wrote the script says to me Harry he goes I'm going to show you this the creepiest sound I ever heard I mean, okay so he hands me this toy that he got at Burger King. Mm. Okay. And it's it's just a little tube thing. And basically what it is is when you when you turned it o upside down or over, it was basically a cow move. It was like yeah. oh. you turn it back. Oh. It was a cow move. <laughs> but the thing was if you shook it back and forth, it would go <laughs> like the creepiest laugh you ever heard in your life. Yeah, like Crypt Keeper-esque type Right, stuff, yeah, yeah. it's a creepy laugh. So anyway, of course, whack, we bring out the sampler and start yeah. sampling the cow and trying the different versions of yeah. the laugh. And so this thing permeated that whole movie. It became the... Like the haunting, yeah. The, but this was the sound of that uh, creepy toy from Burger King. Okay. So this, that's, that's one of the wackier ones. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I play guitar myself. Is there any instruments that you uh, pick up from time to time and just like to play? Or is it pretty much mostly uh, like you don't really have time, it's mostly business? I wish I could play guitar. Cause that would be fun to do. I, I don't play guitar. I play a lot of samples of, <laughs> of guitar. Yeah. I'm doing, a, I'm doing a Stephen King movie right now, uh, based on, not, not a Stephen King movie, but mm. based on a, a short story where uh, one of the main one of the main instruments is a flamenco guitar. Okay. So, um, so I, that's, I'm, I'm playing that on a keyboard. Yeah. But I, I, I'm a saxophone player. Okay, awesome. And uh, back where I live, we used to have this blues thing uh, once a week. It was like a... An open club, open mic. You could come in, and it was just blues and R&B. Yeah. And we would, guys would come in with their horns, and <laughs> we would just whoever was there, we would just ad lib. Yeah, have we'd a little work, jam session. We, we know, <laughs> we, but we'd work out like the background horn parts. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah. You know, and it was that was so much fun. You know, and we get to play choruses down there. <laughs> I mean, I used to I put myself through school. Yeah. Basically playing saxophone. Okay. But. Uh, Anyway, that's. I mean, I love. I love the play. I love the play, and especially love the play now because I don't have to worry about being paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's more fun to play for free. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, I appreciate you so much for this interview. You have one of the best catalogs out there, that's for sure. I'm gonna just give you the mic one last time and let you promote any upcoming projects you have, or and let people know where to find you, or maybe where to shop some of your merchandise. Well, uh, where to shop the merchandise? Uh, that's easy. You just go to darkdelicacies.com. Uh, it's in okay. the great store in Burbank. If you're ever in Burbank, you really got to go to that store. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a great store. Um, 
like I said, I was working and working on that uh, Stephen King short story. Uh, I'm working on a, another game. Uh, it's ancillary materials, uh, which I think uh, I'm, I'm not even sure of the game, but it's ancillary materials for that. Games have just since I've done the Friday game, suddenly yeah. uh, the game business has just blown up. That's awesome. uh, Hanukkah, we we finished. And you should look it for that. And guess probably, I'm guessing it's going to come out around Hanukkah. Yeah. Uh, duh. <laughs> that makes sense. Especially if it hasn't dropped yet. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With that title and everything. So I think it's coming out then. And uh, so, uh, just to say that, he, that he's great in it is even short. It's, it's really, really good. Yeah. Um, anyway, and then I don't, I don't know if this metal thing is ever going <laughs> to, if he's ever going to get get that thing rolling, but I think that one's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. Anyway, thank you so much for the time. I enjoyed the interview. I appreciate you. And per usual, just make sure you go check out CNC Film Studios at cncfilmstudios.com, films plural, and over on his Instagram at CNC Film Studios, and on YouTube at youtube.com backslash P-L-U-M-S-T-E-R-1122, and check out his Halloween 3 fan film coming out on August 16th. That's pretty soon, so make sure you go and watch some of the trailers and back-to-the-scenes footage. And make sure you go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trash Mouth Presents. This upcoming week, we'll be back to our normal movie reviews with Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses. So look out for that. And make sure to keep an eye out for Hanukkah, the upcoming film starring Sid Haig, featuring the music of Harry Manfredini. I just want to say thank you again to Harry for the interview. He was an awesome guy, and I really hope we cross paths again one day. Make sure you come back next week for House of a Thousand Corpses. I'm Trash Mouth. See you then.